You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me, as always, my co-host, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now, Shang Pang. Shang, how's your night going so far? Pretty good. Uh, Just uh, sitting in my car here trying to keep warm. Staying in your car, trying to stay warm. It's California. It's always warm. Isn't that like the rule here? Uh, not if you're a native Californian. If you're a native Californian, it's actually always cold, and you're not used to anything uh, below 50 degrees. That's fair. That's fair. I remember when my windshield was frozen the other day when I got uh, when I got up to leave for work. I was like, what is this? What do you mean it's 30 degrees? What is that? What even is it? It gets 30, 30 degrees? degrees in Sacramento? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was 32, oh, wow. 33 that. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it gets a little chilly up here in the valley. Just another yeah. reason for me to never move to Sacramento. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's a very long list. So, I mean, <laughs> just tack on another bullet point. The exciting times in Sacramento, California. Said no one ever. <laughs> but on this week's episode of the podcast, Shang's going to predict what will happen with the NHLPA's grievance with the Sharks' termination of Evander Kane's contract. Afterwards, I'm going to ask Shank some burning questions in regards to the sudden increase in cap space that the Sharks uh, may have. And then finally, we take a deep dive into Brent Burns' season so far and how his stats have compared favorably to Eric Carlson. As always, before we get too deep into this, we'd like to note the date for everyone who's listening so that way, any and all relevant information can be held you know, accountable to said date. Uh, it is currently the 12th of January in the year 2022. Uh, it's a late night recording for us. So all the fun Connor McDavid uh, quote tweets that we've all seen out there, all that's done. Like We, we like to record these in the, the late hours of the night when Frank Valley can't drop bombs on everybody. So... Before we get into that, of course, we're going to just go over something that I thought was interesting um, with the recent victory over the Detroit Red Wings in uh, the hashtag octopus game. Uh, the Sharks hit their 20 win mark this season, and I, I think that's an important win mark. It's You see the two up there, especially at this point in the season. It's nice to know um, that the boys are winning, right? And to compare to last year, because we're, we're doing that so much um, this season. Uh, the Sharks hit 20 wins in 49 games last season. Remember, they only played 56. So that's how long it took them to get to the 20-win mark. Um, yesterday's game was only the 37th game that they've played. So that's a, a pretty big difference, a 12-game difference. And um, I think that's huge for the Sharks' aspirations or the Sharks' management and coaching staff's aspirations to continue that playoff push. Um, I believe currently right now they are still... Uh, grasping onto that wild card two spot above calgary um i might be wrong though of course Shane. what do you think uh, should they raise a banner for it 
Yep, raise the banner. No, I think twenty uh, wins in thirty-seven <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah. It'll look good with the division title banners. Such a Nashville thing to do. So. <laughs> well, the Sharks have a lot of division banners up there, and I do have to say that it's always been a, a source. I've always laughed at those. Um, of course, you know, as I like to hide, but you guys know, I grew up a Kings fan, and as a Kings fan looking at those, I just thought, why? You know, and of course, hey, you know what? The Kings have not won a division a lot, and the Kings, do, I think, do have a division banner for the one that they won a long time ago when it was called the Smythe Division, uh, but division banners are stupid. And I don't say that as any kind of fan of any other team. The vision banners are stupid. If you're Nashville, if you're the Kings, if you're the Sharks. There you have it, folks. Burn them down. But then it, the only thing that we would have up there is the one Western Conference. That's the thing you play thing. for. You play for the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't win the Stanley Cup, then, okay, you have the, the, the Campbell Cup or whatever they call it. That, that's nice, too. That's something. So that should be the only one that's up there. <laughs> <laughs> and they have one up for George Gunn too, which is cool too, because he was the owner of the team. So that's all good too. But, um, but yeah, the division banners are are not what you play for. So, uh, I mean, when I say we, uh, you know, not what they play for. And yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I just think that's that's just padding. They should honestly, when the Sharks win their first Stanley Cup, they should just kind of quietly take all the division banners off. Of course, leave the the, the Campbell Conference one. Uh, or not the Campbell Conference. Uh, it was the Western Conference, right? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this isn't ni- uh, 1986 here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, leave the Western Conference one, of course. You know, that's that's a, that's, that's a wonderful achievement. Uh, but division banners, I mean, come on. You have a division banner for like 2008, right? Isn't that, or 2009? Wasn't that when the, the Sharks uh, got upset by the Ducks in the first round? Uh, you know, why do you want to remember that? Yeah, I think they have like the the president's trophy banner or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Yeah, know. you want it's, a division, you want a yeah. president's trophy, and you lost in the first round. Wonderful. I wonder if everyone else cringes when they look up and see all those banners and know that they're worth absolutely jack shit. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell you, you know, out like I said, outside fans. Uh, when I was outside fan, I laughed at that back then. You know, I laughed at all the predators uh, banners too. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's not it's it's not what you play for. All right. Well, there goes Shang, his, uh, his weekly dunk on uh, Sharks fans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a weekly dunk. It's not on Sharks fans. It's really on the organization for celebrating uh, it's mediocrity. Not mediocrity. Just it's say better it. Than, yeah. It's better than no, – you know, no, winning division is – you know, it, it matters. Uh, it means that you had a good team and you were probably a cup contender. But uh, I think, though, it's – I think it's, it's just more a, of a reminder, reminder of actually of all the failures. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of a reminder of all the times that you didn't go far. Uh, whereas the, the 2016 banner is a reminder of the year that it went right and almost entirely right. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll talk to uh, you know Jonathan Becker when the Sharks win the cup, and we'll be like, okay, so is this where we take all of those down and then put this one up there because <laughs> this one matters more than any of those could ever do, right? Yeah, maybe it's yeah. for the acoustics. You know, maybe it's like. Maybe it has, has to do with the acoustics. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where they put up one because it's pretty cool the first one you win, and then they put up one. They're like, well, I guess we got to keep putting them up, and they kept, they kept, they kept winning the division, but they kept not going far in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it just became like, well, we have to put it up because, well, uh, we did it the first time, we did it the second time, but then we keep not going far in the playoffs, and so Save it just it sort of baseball. became. Yeah, it just sort of became uh, 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 
maybe a tradition of sorts, but it was not a good tradition, right? It was a tradition of regular season excellence and postseason failure. Um, but damn, <laughs> back to our regularly scheduled programming. Shang, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have had you, a uh... lot of fun hosting this podcast in uh, in uh, 2013, 2012, in those days. So, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I think it would be a a lot more fun to i mean for me it's always a lot more fun to talk about a winning team obviously so uh a part of me well back then you could have put up uh 20 wins and 27 games banners so back then yeah (laughs) significantly better teams (laughs) but enough of that tangential or that little tangent that we've run on there shang i'm gonna let you uh get started here i'm gonna i'm gonna tee you up kind of set you up for this one so we we wanted to open this up with the settlement. Can I stop you for one second, Nick? Yes, of course, of course. I have one more uh, divisional banner thing. If you're a Sharks fan and you like the division banners, please, yeah, write to us. I would like to hear that that point of view. I just I don't I don't get it. And so if somebody gets it and gets what the Sharks are doing, and you don't work for the Sharks, I would like to hear uh, that perspective. Yeah, tweet at us on Twitter. Or you can uh, this all, all of our episodes go up on Reddit. If you're on the Sharks subreddit, we always have the comments section open for for all talk, all Sharks talk. So uh, feel free to leave us your comments. Are the defend the division champ- banners? There's a lot of division banners that defend there. Defend them, please. Yeah, you could you can make an entire blanket, a very very big blanket out of those banners. <laughs> yeah, so. cut them up and uh, yeah, and, and give them out. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect use of our. <laughs> So we wanted to kick off your prediction here or kick off the episode with your prediction on what's going to happen between the NHL Players Association and the Sharks. So I'll let you uh, finally get off of your slander talk and more into your uh, your Evander Kane talk. My banner slander. <laughs> the banner slander. Hashtag banner slander. Well, okay, so... I think uh, right now, of course, uh, the NHLPA, they've grieved the Sharks attempt to terminate Evander's contract. Uh, but my guess is that it doesn't go either of those ways, that one, uh, one side wins the case in, an, in, in its entirety. My guess is, and this is just a guess, but I'm going to tell you why it makes sense to me, is that there will be a settlement and the Sharks will not be able to get out from the entirety of Kane's contract and cap hit. So again, they will not be able to get out of it. Right now, they terminated it. Uh, so right now, they are out of it. But um, yeah. Uh, so a couple reasons why I think that a settlement is the way to go for all parties, not just Evander Kane and not just the Sharks. Elliot Friedman indicated in his recent 32 thoughts that the Sharks NHL think that they have a strong case for termination. And also that Kane and the NHLPA think that they have a strong case that there are were no grounds for termination. So if two sides are dug in, then there's good reason then to come to a compromise. I don't see this and see anything that this is a case where anybody is thinking it's going to be a route. So the number two reason, I don't think the league wants to set a precedent where teams can escape long-term contracts by terminating them at will. 
And granted, Evander Kane is a it's an extraordinary case. But the other NHL teams will not be pleased if the Sharks get away scot-free from, from Kane. And that was the case with Mike Richards when the Kings tried to terminate his contract in 2015. A lot of teams were very, very unhappy. Uh, the quote from an Elliott Friedman article from 2015 was, was that teams were screaming bloody murder. And the Kings and Mike Richards eventually settled. This is what Bill Daly said then, and I quote, In our view, the Kings had a bona fide opportunity to win this grievance. In that case, they would have had no cap hit at all. This way, there's some penalty. Hmm. So thinking about it from that perspective, what makes sense for a settlement? Okay, well, let's assume that Evander Kane was still with the Barracuda. You know, like this termination didn't happen, right? Yeah. Or this attempt. There was trade interest in him. I checked on this uh, last week, right before actually this all transpired. Uh, but my understanding was that there was not anything imminent. You know, as we talked about uh, many a time on the podcast, his contract was simply too much of a risk. He himself uh, was too much of a risk. And the Sharks themselves probably wouldn't want to give up the assets to get rid of the contract. You know, be it first-round picks, a good prospect, whatever it was. Yeah. So let's say the Sharks weren't able to trade Kane by the trade deadline, which I think was a very plausible possibility. The likely course, I think, would have been a buyout this summer. And that's, you know, a lot of people have, have said that. So it's not just me here. Yeah, I think the we Sharks... both kind of came to that conclusion there that that was the most likely outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't get rid of a guy, but you really want to get rid of him. <laughs> then <laughs> you just uh, you just buy him out. And the, the, the penalty there would have been uh, the Sharks would have been buying out $21 million uh, left on Kane's contract. That was three years, $7 million per. And in a buyout, you receive two-thirds of your remaining contract. So Kane would have come out with $14 million. Okay, so let's uh, go back to the idea of a settlement. At the time of his contract termination, Kane was owed... $22.9 million. If you're the Sharks, then why not offer Kane, say, 70 to 75% of that figure, but spaced out over, say, 15 years? And using the Mike Richards precedent, uh, Richards' cap hit was spread out over 17 years. 17 years, not 15, 17 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, Richards' uh, uh, thing was a little different because uh, Richard signed one of those contracts that uh, before they instituted the eight-year maximum for a contract, yeah. teams tried to cheat the AAV, the annual average value, by giving out these like 13-year contracts, right? And, you know, they the last three, four years, they just pay a guy a million dollars. And then so then that would make the, the cap hit much smaller. And so anyway, so Richards has something called the cap recap capture uh, uh, penalty uh, with his. So slightly different uh, scenario with Evander Kane. Uh, 
uh, in the Richard scenario, what that did was that the first five years of the settlement, the Kings had to pay a much higher uh, cap hit. And in the last 12, it was significantly lower. But anyway, 70% of $22.9 million is about $16 million. So 70% of $22.9 million is about $16 million. Going back to Richards, uh, Richards and, and only made 60% of what was uh, owed to him. So 70%. For Evander Kane, that's a little more money that he makes than the than the normal buyout, right? When he's at uh, when he's at sixty seven percent, two thirds, right, of his remaining contract. And mm. so for the Sharks, sixteen million over fifteen years, spaced out evenly, that's about a shade over a million a year. And all this would be real money paid out to Evander Kane, and all this would be real money on the cap. But this way, though, Evander Kane gets his money. The Sharks get cap relief with a spaced-out cap hit. And the NHL can say that both the Sharks and Kane were still penalized. And Kane gets to resume his NHL career like Connor McDavid wants. And the Sharks <laughs> get to move on. And nobody's completely happy here. Sure, Evander Kane wants to make $22.9 million over 16 16 uh, million, and I'm sure the Sharks would love to get rid of the entire cap hit. But nobody has a reason to be furious either. Yeah, Shang, that seems like a uh, well orchestrated and well thought out prediction, if I would say, for you know, on, on your side. You're talking about um, a guy who needs the money, obviously, getting. Mm-hmm. A, a portion of it, seventy to seventy-five percent, is a still significant portion. He's getting and, better than his buyout too, right? Because either way, the yeah. Sharks legally can just buy him out, so it's not like that's anything that he can stop or he can say, "Oh, you are, you guys are taking my money or robbing me or whatever," right? Uh, so, so that's a that's a legal way that the Sharks are probably going to get rid of him anyway. And so here, he makes a little more money than a potential buyout. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a uh, roll out the conspiracy theories. Was it all a setup? Was this all just the plan? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it kind of it kind of can can make sense there. If that's what happens yeah. because uh, the Sharks obviously uh, get a lower cap hit, which they really need uh, moving forward, obviously. Uh, Vander still gets his money. And also Vander gets to start his NHL career again at you know, pretty much as soon as possible, as opposed to waiting for a buyout this summer and waiting until next season to play. Yeah, I mean, that's just um, seems like the best possible option for both parties, because like we talked about with the Richards uh, settlement, I believe last week, it was yeah, during our like, emergency podcast. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you that haven't listened to the emergency podcast, feel free to go back and listen to it. Um it seemed as though, yeah, both parties might say publicly, yeah, we have a pretty good case. That's why we did this. Well, we have a pretty good case, so we're going to apply a grievance. But it seems as though, why take the risk for both sides? For Kane, right. it's like, look, man, if they end up winning, you're, at, you're, you're shit out of luck of mm-hmm. possibly $16 million, if we're going off your numbers here, Shang. $16 yep. million to a guy who just had to file bankruptcy 
and I'm presuming is going to go through some, uh, some like all. Well, all to the, be to be technically court. correct, you're you're out the 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 money owed for the rest of this year, and then the buyout amount, which is about sixteen. But just want to be exactly precise about that, though. So yeah. But it, in the event that you lose the grievance, is essentially right. what I'm saying. Like you get nothing, that's what yeah. you're. Yeah, you you don't get anything. You're terminated, and now you have uh, legal fees that you're gonna have to pay. <laughs> you know, you know when you make your Evander Kane instead of seven million dollars a year, you make seven hundred fifty thousand, which is the veterans minimum. Yeah, or if uh, you're Edmonton, you'll pay him double that just because you know he can he can score goals. So. Well, no, matters. I'm sure there's other teams. I mean, that's a, another uh, another argument, but I'm sure there's there's teams that are willing. You know, when you start creeping up to a million, a million and a half for a year or two, not too much of an investment. I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, the player on the ice is worth it. It's all the other stuff, but yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's I don't. I mean, I don't think Edmonton would be overpaying. You know, there is another team in on it, from what we understand, and there are probably other teams that have inquired that maybe Evander doesn't want to play for. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, but um, just kind of getting back to it, I guess it is it what it is. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Sure, um, <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense if we just kind of boil this down, like you said, it, it makes complete sense for both sides uh, to settle prior to meeting with the arbitrator, who I, I believe has already been assigned to this case. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, honestly, it's if the sharks really think that they have the edge and they want to go through with it. I mean, it might be a risk worth taking for them. And yeah, if, if you Kane, believe it. Yeah. 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 If, if there's Evander so many Kane, gray area questions though, with what, what happened there, uh, yeah. well, I don't want to get into it, but there's so many things that we don't know that kind of don't make sense. Uh, and so I'm not sure how airtight their case, uh, is, uh, if you want to read between the lines of uh, Bill Daly's statement to San Jose hockey now about it, that the sharks have adequate grounds, you know, adequate is a if if that's the exact word that describes what the, where the sharks are at. Adequate is not great. <laughs> adequate just means good enough or decent. I'm taking um, the word bona fide over adequate ten times. Yeah, out bona fide is the is yeah is is what he used with uh, Mike Richards and the Kings. And I think the big difference a lot of people have pointed out is that Mike Richards actually got arrested, even though you can argue that Mike Richards was taking drugs because of sort of the the cycle that the Angel puts you through, p- playing through pain and stuff like that. So in a yeah. way, Richards is a figure that elicits a lot more sympathy than Evander Kane. But if you look at just the the, the facts or the legal part of it, uh, Evander Kane wasn't arrested for anything. Mike Richards was. And so that could be kind of the difference there in terms of uh, the bona fide word that, uh, or, or uh, uh, adjective that uh, Bill Daly used. Uh, just a thought. I don't know for sure. Just sort of uh, speculating there. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all a little uh, hazy is the word that I'll use. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're not an IPA or a beer podcast, unfortunately. So that's not what we're talking about. But it seems like the whole situation is a bit hazy. And much like everything else, time will tell. Like we've, it's the common theme with this Evander Kane saga is, you know, only time will tell what the Sharks plan on doing. You know, if the, the Sharks want to try and settle or if they, sh- if they don't want to try and settle or if the NHLPA and Evander Kane want to or don't want to try and settle. I mean, we'll see. Yep. But I do think that this settlement that you've kind of uh, put out there for this 1.07 million dollar cap hit over right, yeah. 15 years i mean that's a 
breath of fresh air, and that opens up so many possibilities for the Sharks moving it does. forward. One thing um, I want to add, though, is that, um, you know, of course, my 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 uh, uh, spacing out is is kind of uh, not arbitrary, but um, it could be over 10 years. It could be over 20 years. I, mean, I don't know what they would agree to. Right. But it's not like it's a set number that it's 15 or around the 17 that Mike Richards uh, got. Uh, and so I do want to point that out. That it's just me kind of speculating, edu- educated guessing, but still a, a guess. Yeah, we're, you're and just using the example. Thing, yeah, yeah, I'm just using the Mike Richards uh, example as a temp- template. And uh, and one fun thing, actually, I wanted to maybe it's not fun, but uh, <laughs> when people talk about Evander Kane going to the Oilers, one thing that people are kind of forgetting is that uh, one of the Sharks postponed games was the Oilers coming to San Jose in December. And so that means that we might see Evander Kane as soon as next month. Well, that would be. Interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Who's dropping the gloves? <laughs> Let's really figure out if there's locker room issues. <laughs> yeah, we can kind of uh, see the we can we kind of see the uh, the tough Brent Burns that everyone's been asking for for all these years, right? Because you know that that somewhere in Brent Burns, there's 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 a you know there's a mountain man that can really kick some ass, right? So. <laughs> oh yeah, easily. I mean, you've seen. I I think it was last season when. Um, when they faced uh, Vegas Golden Knights, I think it was towards the end of the year, and he just absolutely throttled Max Pacioretty into the boards, and he just looked like a <laughs> like an absolute behemoth in the in the Heck, penalty you know box. What? Let's do this WWE style, man. Uh, the Sharks should go. go at Kane like two, three at a time. And let's see if the Oilers step up for Kane. So, <laughs> teammate <laughs> Connor, test. David will look at it and be like, "Hey, it is what it is. It is yeah. what it is." <laughs> <laughs> Um, moving back to kind of a couple of questions I wanted to ask you in regards mm-hmm. to this this grievance, right? I, I wanted to start with, let's say the Sharks lose this, right? W- what happens then? Like, legally, what happens then? Does Evander Kane go back onto the Sharks' books? And then is a buyout still an option after that? Like, after that? occurred yeah you know it's been speculated on a bit i mean basically what happens yeah he just goes back on the books like he never left and i think if he's playing for another team they may still allow that but so there's still his figure playing for another team would just be minus that on the cap let's say he's making a million and a half of the oilers so we just subtract that off of the seven million that the sharks uh the, the sharks uh, uh are supposed to pay him this year and then uh a buyout just become then 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 a buyout becomes even more realistic because now it's really really clear right that the team the sharks do not want this player around uh before you know i think there were vander kane fans that hoped that Somehow he would find his way back with the Sharks for, you know, whatever uh, different reasons. But I think now it's pretty clear that this team, this locker room really, really does not want him around. Um, and so in so in that scenario, then then a buyout would be the most likely thing. Yeah, it would just be like I said, like he never left. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes Which sense. is kind of hilarious too in its way too. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's like he never left at the exact same time. <laughs> I'm sure the players will be thrilled to answer our questions about hey are you guys happy that evander is back yeah <laughs> look forward to that so For, ask look forward to asking department. eric carlson that one <laughs> yeah exactly he it was very uh 
very willing to talk about Evander Gaten's absence. He actually said the the most of anybody, though, even though he said nothing. But yeah. his his line about well, of, of all the players that is, of all the veteran players that have played a lot with Evander, I will say, in all fairness to Evander, that all the Barracuda players and Roy Sommer were pretty complimentary, actually, of of his sort of uh uh his his uh, work level and all those kind of things with the Barracuda. Um, Bob Bugner, of course, you know, is, is usually the more candid of, of everybody. So Bob Bugner was was a little more willing to talk more about uh, his feelings about Evander. Not much, but a little more so. But the veteran players that we asked, uh, Eric Carlson, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, the word I don't know is probably the most common, or the phrase I don't know is probably the, the, the most common thing between all those three guys and what they said. And Eric's uh, a classic... Um, I haven't been thinking about it and I'm still not thinking about it was probably actually the most telling and most, uh, well, most quotable, obviously, uh, because that's the one I, I, I tweeted out. So the most quotable of, of, of everything, because hurdle was just like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on uh, because we asked him right after the Philadelphia game. I don't know if anyone believes that because they still take a bus to, to, to the arena from the hotel and they have phones. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then Logan Couture. In the nineties. Come on now. Exactly. Yeah. And then Logan Couture was just like, I don't have, I don't really have a comment. <laughs> so. Good old, good old NHL personal censoring. <laughs> but <laughs> so, my next set of questions here. So Sharks losing the grievance, it kind of leads to one one avenue, right? But the big yeah, thing... Yeah, things just go back the way they were, yeah, if they lose. Yeah, yeah so. so the big thing, though, that, that matters to, I would say, every single Sharks fan, regardless of if you were on the keep Evander Kane train or uh, whatever side that you were in, sure. right? Let's say the Sharks do settle under your... We're going to use your um, your formula here. Sure. That slightly above a million dollar cap hit over 15 years, just because we just want to work with the same number. We're going to keep it constant here. Or mm -hmm. let's say the Sharks win the grievance and they're sure. completely out, right? So there's a zero dollar cap hit. <clears throat> does this impact, my first question, obviously, does this impact the probability of the Sharks re-signing Tomas Hurdle? In my opinion, no. Uh, I've always been of the opinion since last year and talking to people last year that the Sharks love Hurdle. The Sharks see Hurdle as a person that they can build a culture around, not just to build a winning team on the ice, but to build a culture around. He's a guy that is a culture driver, a leader, a guy who's going to be a Logan Couture, uh, going to be a Joe Pavelski, going to be a Joe Thornton in terms of his impact on the room. Um, so the Sharks, I believe, want to keep him. And so losing Evander Kane, I mean, it, it could free up a little more money, but I think that the Sharks were going to try to find that money and try to give Tomas Hurdle a legitimate offer. And whether or not Hurdle takes it, because I believe that Hurdle's primary objective is to win and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, well, that's up to Tomas Hurdle, and it's up to Doug Wilson to convince Tomas Hurdle that that can happen with the Sharks and soon. And I don't know if the Sharks will be able to convince Tom Osherdle of that. But I don't really think it was so much of a money thing. I mean, yes, I'm sure that there was some team that could give Hurdle like a ridiculous amount of money that Sharks maybe couldn't match. And now maybe they could match if they wanted to uh, with the money cleared out from Kane. Uh, but I don't know if the Sharks are ever going to do that either. You know, they want to keep Hurdle, but obviously they want to keep it within uh, certain like, uh, you know, sensible 
uh, find, uh, fiscal constraints, obviously because the sharks owe, uh, uh, put it generously, the sharks owe a lot of other people a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. If, so, so, yeah, so Hurdle, no, I don't think it really impacts. Okay. And if Hurdle would want to re-sign with the sharks, the best way to help win is to not constrain your team you're signing right, it's something reasonable right so, so like yeah. uh eight by eight uh eight by seven whatever right something like that which is you know uh uh, uh worth like you know it's, it's not underpaying him a lot but it's something that is you know kind of around what what he's worth i think the sharks are willing to i believe uh and i haven't checked in on this recently things could have changed but I'm not sure why they would because Tom Marshall's had a great season. Uh, the Sharks are having a good season. And I don't see any reason why something that uh, I was told last year would have changed, at least here in this in, in, in this uh, uh, in this scenario, because of all the good things that have happened since then with the Sharks and uh, Tom Hurdle. Uh, but yeah, that's something I do need to check up more. Uh, one of the funny things, obviously, with the Olympic break and the scheduling is the trade deadline is still two months away. So that's a long time to be reading about, uh, you know, it, are the Sharks going to trade Tom Osherto articles? <laughs> gotcha. And we've, but, we've talked about it before, Shang, everyone listening. We're not going to do a big hurdle uh, conspiracy episode until significantly closer to the trade deadline. We want the the tension to build as much as possible to provide the uh, provide the information that we have at the time. Yeah, I, so. I, part of it too is that I don't th- I, I don't think there's any point to it because I don't think the sharks are going to trade hurdle anytime soon. I'm not seeing yeah. it because the sharks are playing better than expected. Thomas Hurdle is having a great season. Uh, if they're uh, trying to convince Hurdle to stay, uh, they're making a case now. It's not like a, a, a airtight case. They're not like leading the division or leading the conference or anything like that. Or they're not threatening to add another division banner. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but they are making a, a case to Hurdle now. I think that hey, maybe. We can build around what we've got and start to get ourselves out of the hole that we've been in the last couple of years, maybe a little faster than uh, than we thought uh, during the off, during this past offseason. Yeah. And then if he ever has any doubts, all they do is give him a telescope and then say, hey, go ahead and take a look at Sweden really quick. See that guy over there? Yeah, that's your teammate. And they're talking oh, exactly. about William Eklund, right, by the right, way. Right, so. right, 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 right. <laughs> and then they give him another one that points to Michigan. And it's like, hey, you see Thomas Bortolo? Yeah. We could do this. Thing, I'm just guys. not sure why why he would need a telescope. Don't they have Zoom in Michigan and Sweden? I'm just trying to paint a picture for the people <laughs> listening. Shang. Like, could you imagine, like, if Tomas Hurdle climbs on like the tallest tower and he's just got this gigantic ass telescope? And he just climbs to on top of Mount Tam and and and, yeah. and trains a a telescope on, yeah. on Michigan. <laughs> I think that might kill. <laughs> that might that, 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 <laughs> like setting a laser pointer, a giant laser pointer on Michigan. But I'm not sure that's what. That's not that's not leadership, Nick. Okay, well, <laughs> scrap that idea, guys. Yep, return all the materials. We're not building I think, the giant I think, telescope. I think Zoom is a good idea. Yeah, maybe not the giant telescope. <laughs> okay, <laughs> technology guy, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> My next question for you, though, Shang. Um, speaking of hurdle, if the Sharks do come with an agreement or come to an agreement with Tomas Hurdle, yep. if they extend him before the season's end. Okay. Do they still get to use the cap space that they've acquired throughout this season to launder trades like they have uh, in the, the past few years? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, whatever contract they sign with Hurdle is going to kick in next year, so they'll have that cap space. And I, th- I actually think that that's more likely what they do with the cap space than make any big splash additions this season. Even if that the play, if their strong play continues, and you know they stay at the fringe of the playoff race, or if they're at in the playoffs by the time we get to the trade deadline, um, not that they won't add anybody, but my guess is that they keep that kind of small on the side, like a, a, a fixing around the sides of the team kind of kind of deals, right? Nothing too big. And they weaponize the cap space by, uh, you know, taking on uh, some money uh, to be the middleman somewhere and get some more draft picks that way. Uh, so a combination of both. I don't really see them, uh, even if they get out entirely from Kane's contract, being a, a big player uh, this trade deadline. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll see, though. I mean, hey, who knows? You know, if they go on some kind of tear here, uh, maybe you start to think di- differently, right? Uh, if like, you know, They're Aiden Hill for the division lead or something. Yeah, you know, Aiden, Aiden, yeah, Aiden Hill fixes that glove hand, and he and and he's looking like like he can he can take you places and et cetera, et cetera. So so I guess that can change. But my guess though is, uh, uh, you know, conservative guess, but uh, that cap space is used for being the middleman and maybe for small additions uh, to, to the team. Maybe go fishing for another Barabanov, or at least attempting to make sure. a hockey trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a guy like that maybe that can uh, is undervalued somewhere that maybe can help you a little bit uh, now and in the future for sure. Well, I'm, you know, they have the scouts and they have the, the – the personnel and management to be able to find those players. Hey, I mean, yeah, they, they they've been it. on a nice uh, run there. Uh, give them credit from uh, Balzers to Barabanov to Dolan. To be fair, Balzers was theirs in the get go. Like they, true, they drafted true. him. But <laughs> he was also waivers pickup, and you know, very rarely we've seen the Sharks pick up a lot of guys on waivers over the years. And other teams obviously pick up waiver guys. Those guys usually don't work out to be any more than. Fourth line, bottom pairing, scratch him, keep him, uh, you know, keep him in the lineup or scratch him doesn't matter, kind of, right? Guys yeah. like that, you know, marginal fringe players, right? Which is why you get waived, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Balzers has at least fashioned himself into a player that is, is a, at least for, for a, a kind of a okay, uh, mediocre to decent Sharks team as an every, every night guy, which is, which is something, you know, so yeah. considering he was waived. Yeah, true. Hey, we want to take a quick break to thank this week's sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds. You see what they did there? On any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. It's simple. You just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. My final question here. So, as I said earlier, we all assumed that this Evander Kane situation for the Sharks, and I say we all, I said me and you, me and you, that's just, just you and I. No, we assume, a, lot, a lot of people assume. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to say we all and then, yeah. you know, group everybody together, but the majority of us Sharks fans, uh, yourself included, um, assumed that this was going to end in a buyout. Like, we had the cap space numbers all calculated. We did a whole episode sure. about it, I think, or a segment. So, assuming that the Sharks settle or win the grievance, like I said, does this open up the possibility of another buyout? You know, we've talked about Mark Edward Vlasic just got scratched recently. He's making $7 million a year, and he it, he carries four the more years worst after contract. This one. Yeah, he carries the worst contract of all Sharks players right now. Regardless, I mean, Eric Carlson makes $11.5 million, yes, but he plays to a very high level, especially this year. We can't yeah, say yeah. the same about Mark Edward Vlasic, a player who's been scratched. Um, you can't compare any of the, uh, the big contracts that the Sharks have currently on the books right now to how crippling Mark Edward Vlasic's contract is. And it's the exact same cap hit as Evander Kane's. It's a $7 million average annual value cap hit so if the sharks don't have Kane's cap hit on the books why not buy out Vlasic yeah I, I think it does make it more um, more palatable more possible it's not normal that because uh, Vlasic has four more years left after this it's not yeah. normal for teams to buy out huge contracts like this uh, with that many years left. Though I will say, though, that Minnesota did that, and, and a surprise, they did that twice uh, this past summer with Parise and Suter. But that's not mm -hmm. the norm, though. Uh, before Parise and Suter, I think in a decade before that, there only been two such uh, buyouts where a guy was bought out uh, with four or more years left. And this isn't counting compliance buyouts when, whenever they've had those. I want to uh, add that uh, addendum, but... So four years uh, is is not the is not the norm, and that's because of the penalty. Uh, you know, yeah. four years obviously a buyout. That means that you have to pay it out over eight years. Vlasic is obviously owed a lot of money. I've looked at it like there are uh, cap hits of like still, even though he's not playing our team and you bought him out, there's still cap hits of. I think one year is at like over five million. Another year is at over four million. So it's still a pretty you know a hefty penalty, even though you've uh, got out of a third of it. Yeah. So I wonder if the Sharks maybe uh, keep Vlasic around another year and just hope that he can kind of still be useful in the bottom pairing uh, when he gets in there. You know, I, I'm not uh, – I've talked about this before. Um, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic is still, I think, an NHL player. I think that he, he can help you still, but just obviously not as much as he used to be able to. Um, so can he help you on a bottom pairing? Yes. Uh, can he be scratched sometimes? Yes. You know, uh, there's probably been inc inc or, um, instances this season where maybe he could have been scratched, uh, uh, you know, uh, and overall this season more than just the once that he's been scratched this year. But has he come in there at times and played good minutes and made good plays? He has. And so I think that he can still help a team. And even if the Sharks bring him back for another year, 
I guess the greater point that I wanted to make about all that is if you look at the, the, the Sharks now and they've been able to, if they're able to get rid of Kane's contract and most of it, and they bought out Martin Jones over the summer, and you mentioned uh, Vlasic, and Vlasic is clearly the worst contract that the Sharks have. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but the Sharks, actually, their salary cap situation is not looking as, uh, uh, I'm not going to say good, <laughs> but, but, but it's actually good. Like, like this is actually uh, good news for the Sharks' salary cap all in all. Obviously, getting rid of Kane is good news, but uh, what I mean to say uh, is that suddenly the Sharks have just one really bad contract. Whereas this time last year, like, you know, uh, halfway into last season, the COVID season, right? The Sharks had three three awful contracts, right? They had Martin Jones. They had Eric Carlson because Eric Carlson was playing very poorly uh, mm-hmm. overall. And they had Mark Edward Vlasic. Now, over the summer, the Sharks added Evander Kane to that pile of bad contracts because of everything that happened with Kane in the locker room and all that stuff. Right? Obviously, it wasn't the on-ice stuff with Kane because Kane was the Sharks' best player last year. Yeah. So also during the summer, it's looking even worse because now you have uh, before they bought out Martin Jones. Now you have four awful contracts, uh, and and that's. You know that's that that's as depressing a situation as you can be for 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 a Sharks fan uh, at that point. So now the Sharks have bought out Martin Jones. Yes, you're still paying a penalty on that, but at least you've washed your hands of it. You know what's going to happen with it. And after you know, there's a couple of rough years of the cap hit there, but once you get past that, then it becomes a bit more manageable. The cap hit. Eric Carlson has come back this year and. Whatever level he's playing at, uh, be it, uh, you know, he's playing at maybe like an $8 million defenseman or a $10 million defenseman or whatever, right? Uh, He's having a good season. And that's a lot more than you could say out of Eric Carlson uh, the last couple of years, I think. Yeah. You stop Brent Burns and Logan Couture, and they might be overpaid too, but they are having, they're still good players. And we'll get to Brent Burns a little bit in our Sport Logics uh, segment, but they're both good players. They're both still, um, you know, top four. Uh, Burns is still a top four defenseman. Couture is still a, a, a top six centerman in my mind. So then, okay, so then we get to, let's see, what else What else is left here, right? So, okay, Kane, right? Uh, but Kane now, uh, now that his contract has been terminated, and let's say it gets uh, settled at worst for the Sharks, so then you have some kind of a finality there. You know what clarity, what's going on with him. And so all of a sudden, the Sharks have only one really, really awful contract, and that's Mark Edward Vlasic, which is, again, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to celebrate having one awful contract. But if you're the Sharks and you're down to one awful contract, then that actually is a reason to celebrate if you're a Sharks fan. And I want to go back to a podcast from a couple weeks ago that we did. We talked about sort of why the Sharks shouldn't tank. And... One of the executives that I talked about, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, I talked with uh, for that episode, he was of the opinion that you can build around Logan Couture, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson. 
And his point wasn't that that uh, Eric Carlson is still a Norris Trophy guy. Brent Burns is still a Norris, Norris Trophy guy. Logan, Logan Couture is still like a fringe Team Canada Olympic guy or whatever, right? He recognizes that all those players are you know, a little bit worse than they used to be, especially Carlson and Burns. Mm-hmm. But and I guess, you know, using the, the Kings as, as a model here again, I know we talked about Mike Richards here, right? But, you know, the Kings are still paying Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty and Jonathan Quick a lot of money. Right. And Kopitar has been pretty consistent over the years. Doughty had a very bad year last year, I think. So there are some questions about the viability of his game. Uh, Quick has really been in the woods the last couple of years. But now he's actually retaken the number one job as the Kings starting goalie. And so can you build around those three guys with young prospects? And that's what the Kings are trying to do, right? They're trying to bring, bring along the, the byfields and the, uh, well, Kempe is not quite as young, but you know, a little bit of a, a younger veteran there. Yeah. Cali, you know, you name it, right? The Kings have one of the best systems in the league and what the Kings are hoping for. And we don't know if it will happen yet because a lot of their draft picks still haven't really reached uh, maturity or productivity yet. But what the Kings are hoping for is in about, say, two years, you're going to get the beginning of, say, a Byfield's prime. And you'll still get some high-level play from a Kopitar, from a Dowdy, from a Quick. Well, maybe not a Quick. I don't know. Yeah, Quick, I think, was a surprise this year. Dustin but I know Brown. definitely... Yeah, well, no, Brown is actually be off the book soon. So, yeah, so so he may not be around or he may have a very secondary role if he's still around. It won't be for that 5.8 or so cap that he's got. But Kopitar and Dali are probably the best examples of this, right? And, you know, you can say that Couture is San Jose's Kopitar and Carlson and Dali. Obviously, there's there's a comparison there in terms of the money they make and whatnot and their age. I mean, you but, can Burns and Dowdy it if you really want to do sure. 8 million yep. versus 8 million. Well, no, Dowdy, I think, is up to – Dowdy's making a lot of money now. He's making more than $8 million now. Uh, yeah, no, I, I – yeah. Yeah, Dowdy's making a lot of money now, a bit more than 8 But anyway, though, like the idea, though, still is that, like, Drew Dowdy may not be Norris Trophy winning Drew Dowdy three years from now. And Kopitar may not be Selkie Trophy winning Kopitar three years from now, right? But can they still be good, useful players that are slightly overpaid but also make up for that in, you know – uh, besides on the ice productivity, but also leadership and things like that. Absolutely, right? And then you hope that if you're the Kings, of course, that you know, said Byfield, Kaliev, Kupari, all the you know, Turcot, all the all the names they've got going there, right? That those guys are are playing at a really high level, and you could be a contender that way with with any kind of luck, right? With any kind of cresting of your young and your old. So yeah, could that happen with the Sharks? got to be productive i guess to answer that right you got to yeah. continue to get that above average level of production from your overpaid guys and right. uh it's funny you're kind of just offsetting production per dollar essentially at that point you yeah, want yeah yeah you are you are you hope like Eklund comes in right and he way overproduces his entry level right uh yeah. so you're being optimistic there but let's say Eklund can kind of kind of step in and be like a 50 50 point guy immediately next year and then get himself to be like a point per game guy within a couple of years i mean you're being a little optimistic there but if that kind of happens right then you offset the lost production from a logan couture right uh yeah. to some degree even though different positions the lost production from a brett burns and eric carlson yeah, if you're able to put a dollar sign on point value, right? You want 
if you have to deal with Carlson and Brent Burns uh, doing or, or producing at like a combined level of $8 million less than what they make combined, you want your young guys to be able to produce the opposite side of that. You want them to produce sure. $8 million total worth of value above what they make. So that yep, way absolutely. they even each other out and you have a, a playoff team that can contend for the cup. Right, and so and so I think that if we're looking, this is like the rosiest picture of everything going on with the Sharks. So you know, not saying that this is going to happen. What's going to happen? But <laughs> I think though that this this I think though that this has been sort of the hope of what what Doug Wilson has been trying to do in terms of uh, I've said it before, running out the clock of these contracts, right? Hoping that at some point, uh, guys that you believed in, like they believed in Eric Carlson, right, to give them that eight year, ninety two million dollar contract that he would kind of remember who he was or figure out who he was and get back to some semblance of that. And Eric Carlson has. And if Carlson can keep this up and keep this up for a few more years, suddenly that $11.5 million, you know, a price tag, uh, while he may never live up to it and win any Norris trophies with San Jose or anything like that, uh, can he still be a, a valid uh, power play guy, a valid top four defenseman, puck mover, possible he has been this year right uh can brent burns kind of do the same thing you know stay as a solid uh top four-ish guy yeah he's not going to win your norris anymore he's not going to score you 25 goals anymore but can he still play uh, a pretty good defensive game as he has with mario ferraro and add some offense to it uh which he has done recently and still be a very valuable member of a winning team it seems like at least this year he has been right and lola couture is a guy that you know, he's a bit younger uh, than, than Burns, at least. about the same age as Carlson. But, you know, would it surprise anybody if Couture three, four years ago has sort of turned himself into being like a a, a, a ace uh, third-line center, like sort of like uh, Nick Menino on steroids or something like that? I don't yeah. think it, it surprised anybody, right, because Couture is such a smart player and obviously he takes care of himself. And so that could be the track. You know, if we go back to recent Sharks history, right, we go back to 2018-19, uh, what was Joe Thornton at that point? Of course, Joe Thornton was making a lot less money, but Joe Thornton at that point was still a very valuable member of the team. He wasn't the hard trophy winning Joe Thornton, of course, but he was still a very valuable third line center, arguably in my opinion that year, the best third line center in the conference. And that, uh, that role is, as we said, I've said many times before on this podcast, that such an important role for a winning team. So Kichi Couture, yeah, overpaid $8 million in that role, but, being a really good, uh, uh, really, uh, really excelling at the role, being super valuable, and you know maybe not make not maybe not eight million dollar value player, but maybe a five six million dollar value player, possible, right? And so now that you've kind of divested yourself of all these bad contracts, uh, at least if the Kane thing sticks, right? And obviously the Jones has been resolved, and. You know what you do with Vlasic, then maybe you buy him out. You get some clarity there at at at, at that point, right? Um, but then though, you know Burns, Couture, Carlson as sort of your core. Add Tomas Hurdle, and hopefully Hurdle stays healthy and doesn't have any drop off. But you can see Hurdle obviously producing at a top six level for a long time with his talent, right? And mm -hmm. you start to kind of come out of this. This this two years of uh, being in the woods if you're the sharks, and and it starts to kind of kind of make the team starts to make a little more sense, 
Um, yeah, and 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 the contracts start to make a little bit more sense. Uh, you know, guys are producing even if they're not quite as good as they used to be. And uh, but then you 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 filled out the young players. I think that's the biggest problem with the Sharks. Uh, uh, maybe more than the contracts, right? That we have uh, one one kind of premium prospect in Eklund and you have a number of good prospects around Eklund, but none of them are premium prospects. And so the Sharks will have to add to that. And they may not add to that with uh, great draft picks like the Kings have had uh, because the Sharks are over, over, overperforming now. So it's going to be a little bit more gymnastics for the Sharks scouting staff if they end up with a 15th pick or a 20th pick or whatever this year to draft the impact guy next to Eklund. But that's what you got to do as a scouting staff. You, you got to figure out how, how to do that, add impact guys uh, from lower uh, lower value positions. But uh, anyway, though, so it's just something that occurred to me when this Kane stuff went down that suddenly, uh, and coupled with Carlson's reemergence this year, that suddenly the only really, you know, desperately bad contract that you want to get out of then uh, would be Vlasic. And uh, yeah, I know Carlson is overpaid. And if someone offered you, say, like a seventh round pick to just to take the entirety of Carlson's contract, you, you would think hard about that. But Carlson has also been good this year, too. And so, and so uh, yeah, so that's, that's of course, really important uh, for, for uh, this entire equation. So, but... Yeah, so I don't know. I, I that's about as uh, as hopeful and sunny as I as I can get. <laughs> I think that's a a very good counter to your banner slander earlier in the in the episode. So <clears throat> it is good, uh, you know, hopeful forecasting, obviously for the Sharks organization and for the fans. But that paints a better picture for the future and uh, what the Sharks are hoping to get out of both their young and their old. And then obviously an increased cap uh, ceiling will uh you know more cap space via that way will also help um i guess ease the burden of those those heavy hitting contracts over the next two to three years so um i think that's a great point that you bring up and it's something for sharks fans to look forward to there may be a light at the end of this dark two three year tunnel that they've been in so far and um hopefully continue drafting well um other NHL teams continue drafting bad and allowing people like William Eklund to fall to seventh um, and, you know, come out a more competitive and hopefully a, a contending team over the next uh, three years. So I think that's a pretty good spot for us to uh, kind of wrap up our little cap space extravaganza that we've just kind of gotten into there. The, you know, accounting hour here with Nick and Shang. So, uh, mainly Shane crunching all the numbers, but uh, speaking of crunching numbers, and we were going to talk about someone that has been performing well on a less than favorable contract, Brent Burns, and this is someone who has assisted on I think every single goal the Sharks have scored the last three games, and he's come out to play. Uh, uh, last two games, yeah. Two games, okay, yeah. I know yep. it was all three from Hurdle, and then the uh, the two or three from last the three, night. Three, yeah, the three last night, yeah. Yeah, but um. Brent Burns has been performing, performing very well, as a matter of fact. And to kind of give you some stats to piggyback off of right now, again, this is our Sport Logic stat of the week surrounding Brent Burns. Um, he's at a .70, <clears throat> excuse me, .70 points per game pace right now. And uh, when we, what I said in the introduction was how comparable he is to Eric Carlson, and. I can 
I can bring up Eric Carlson's number in contrast as well to kind of paint that picture for you. Eric sitting at uh, 0.76 points per game. Obviously yeah, and I think the larger point, too, I just want to make, uh, sorry, Nick, is um, that Eric Carlson is receiving, it deserves uh, uh, all the credit for kind of a comeback year, right? Yeah. And Burns, I think, has been a little underappreciated because Burns has been playing a more of a defensive role. And I think Burns, too, had a couple weeks there where he and Mario Ferraro weren't as good as they were to begin the season. So, you know, maybe people pointing at those struggles a, a little bit. But by and large, though, it just took a couple of good games, right? Just took Burns, uh, you know, two two good games here, uh, six assists in two games to kind of catch himself up to to where Carlson was producing. And just a reminder, and I wrote about this uh, yesterday in my article about the Detroit win, that the Sharks have, they may not be Norris Trophy uh, winners anymore, but they have two pretty good defensemen still in Burns and Carlson. And so let's not, uh, let's, let's not uh, I guess, favor one over the other. Uh, I think they're both doing a lot. They're both doing a lot of good things uh, on the offensive and defensive side. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fair to hold them both accountable in the same light as well. And so we like to give, uh, give each their due. And so we wanted to give Brent Burns a little bit of love on this podcast and kind of accent how well he's been playing. So just to continue on with a couple other, uh, Stats here from Sport Logic. His expected goals for are at uh, 4.65. Uh, compare that to Eric Carlson's 4.25. And as I was going to say before, uh, Eric Carlson has played in only 29 games, whereas Brent Burns has played in all 37. That's just yeah, and it's worth of... mentioning with the expected goals that Carlson obviously has eight goals and Burns has four. But what the expected goals tells you, though, is that Burns is getting a lot of good chances. And you know, that's what expected goals is basically uh, judging that, you know, how often goals are scored from the spots where uh, Brent Burns is shooting from, where Eric Carlson is shooting from. So Eric Carlson is out for, outperforming it a little bit. I actually expect uh, that, that Carlson will go into a little slide, just a regression to the mean, nothing too bad. But in terms of uh, the number of goals that he's scoring, he's actually kind of undergoing it now. It's been a little while since he scored a goal. But just a reminder that Burns is getting plenty of chances still and good chances. And so according to, again, expected goals, they're right, you know, neck and neck with each other. Yeah, exactly. And um, moving into our next stat that you wanted to accent here specifically slot passes and uh brent burns is sitting at 66 slot passes so far on the season eric carlson at 56 again not comparing and contrasting and saying one is greater than the other but it's just great it's kind of crazy yet fitting how two elite-minded offensive defensemen just stay so close to each other in specific categories yeah um, yeah yeah i think another you... overall point uh... oh go ahead nick i'm sorry no no no, no. you're good go ahead Oh, uh, a larger point is that I think it's easy. People, I think a lot of a lot of times fans, you know, they want to go one or the other, Burns or Carlson. And I would say that for the Sharks to be good or reasonably good, uh, they need both to be firing at the same time. You know, maybe not both to be their Norris Trophy selves anymore because we don't know if that's there, but both to be their best good selves still. And I think that both of them, by and large, have been their best good selves this season. And we can see that in this stat, this slot passes stat, because uh, they both lead the Sharks. Uh, they're both one and two on the Sharks in this stat. 
Burns at 66, Carlson at 56. The closest Sharks player uh, is Timo Meyer at 50. And the closest defenseman, I, I uh, it's going to be a huge drop-off, I bet. The closest defenseman is, I can't even read these numbers, they're so small. It might be Ferraro at 13. <laughs> that might yeah. be the closest defenseman uh, for uh, to, uh, to to Burns and Carlson. And just to give you a comparison, uh, let's see, Middleton, and you can, you can read these off if you see them before I do. I think Middleton's at 10. Correct. Uh, Vlasic is at 9. Yeah, Vlasic's yes. at 9. Uh, Shimmick is at 5. And so anyway, slot passes, why are these important? Well, these are basically, you know, you see Burns and Carlson do this a lot, right? Like they skate down with the, they pinch down with the puck or they skate down with it. They go a little bit deeper into the, into the zone than other defensemen usually will. Right. And then they try to find the guy who's, who's, uh, Who's 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 a uh, who's a uh, position there for a one timer or for a shot? Be it Jonathan Dolan or Timo Meyer, and these are really dangerous shots, right? Obviously, middle of the slot, and so the value of Burns and Carlson still they both uh, can still skate well enough that they can they can make that space, they can break away and separate from whoever is trying to check them and get the puck into a dangerous area, and so very very important offensive stat. And they're both uh, still uh, very, uh, very important to the Sharks. Uh, I'm not sure how they're leading or how they're doing compared to the rest of the league. We can actually pull that up. So I'm just curious what, what, a, what, a, what a top, uh, uh, a top, a top end uh, a player is doing there. Uh, actually, you know what? They don't give that to us. Okay. Oh, they do actually. Sorry. Okay. So. Okay, so this is no comparison here. So yeah, Connor McDavid leads the, <laughs> leads the NHL with 122 slot passes. So, okay, so let's not let's not even uh, mention Burns or Carlson in that sense. But uh, but it, it does matter though, at least for the Sharks and how they play. And it is a little more defensive, a little more conservative than uh, than what Connor McDavid does get to do in Edmonton. Uh, but and also just Connor McDavid is fucking good. So, <laughs> but he's all right. It is what it is, though. <laughs> it is what it is. He is. He is. He is who he is, right? Uh, yeah. But, but again, Burns and Carlson lead the Sharks in this stat, and so that tells you how important they are to this offense and to you know trying to generate off to try to generate some scoring uh, for a defensive first team. Yeah, and um, it's we're obviously going to see forwards leading slot passes. Obviously, in the in the NHL, you know. That well, and, uh, had... you know what? Though? Let me jump in here, though. Yeah, you. Uh, the top three for Sport Logic are Connor McDavid, Huberdo, and Drysido, and then you have Quinn Hughes and Johnny Gaudreau. So four forwards. But for the Sharks, they're topped by two defensemen. So again, that tells you how much these guys, even as their powers sort of diminish, how how much that they still matter to the success of the Sharks. Yeah, and they they obviously they get more time on ice than any of the forwards will and they activate into the offensive zone and it's you want to build your offense around your best players and they are the some of the sharks best players so they're just they still are yeah they still yeah are. they're catering to the their best players and it's it's not a surprise why they're leading this this type of uh you know and timo meyer obviously being the best pure offensive player on the sharks right now um, that's why he leads the team with 39 points and only 32 games played. Um, that's why he's third on slot passes because he's just all about that 
that yep. business of just scoring. So that's just. If you look at the does. top five for the Sharks, it's their <clears> best <throat> players. It's uh, uh, it's a uh, Burns leading Carlson, Meyer, I think Hurdle and Couture. Uh, yeah. Or actually, I'm sorry, I, I flip-flopped it. It's Couture, then Hurdle. But these are the guys that you want with the puck. And again, it just shows, again, how valuable Brent Burns still is uh, to this team. And quick shout-out to just after the top five there, Jonathan Dolan and Alexander Barabanov, two late bloomers, you yep. could say, um, in their careers. Barabanov, the acquisition last season. Dolan, uh, another acquisition that's just coming into his rookie season at 26 slot passes. So, um, yep, sixth and sad. Six, the tide for sixth on this on the Sharks exactly. list. Yep. So, you know, quick quick kudos there. An extended Sport Logic stat of the week for as far as slot yep. passes goes. Uh, but our, our final stat that we wanted to kind of highlight for Brent Burns was something that he has excelled in extremely. And we saw it on full display uh, last night against Detroit. The, the stretch passes that he was able to make in last night's game were incredible, especially the, uh, the one that led to probably the most gracious goal I've seen in Sharks history from Jeffrey VL there. <laughs> um, but it was just another signature Brent Burns pass through three zones from the defensive zone through both sides of the neutral zone onto the tape of a Sharks forward. That's a primary assist. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, it's worth mentioning, too, that it wasn't just the physical part of it, like making that pass, which was plenty, plenty difficult already. But And I wrote about it last night, and you probably have seen it, that it was uh, – Burns and how he manipulated the the time and the, the time and space there. How he dragged the Detroit forecheck into the defensive zone because he picked up the the puck in center ice and then he went backwards. He didn't go forward, right? He picked he went backwards and he pulled the forecheck into him and then he fired. He you know he went slow backwards and then he fired the puck hard forward and just manipulating again time and space and he gave Jeffrey VL. Uh, again, he gave Jeffrey VL time and space there because then there were no there were no Detroit four checkers kind of dogging VL from behind. It just was VL versus Cider, uh, and VL just sort of uh, yeah trucked <laughs> uh, trucked the net. But hey, it worked out, you know. But a lot of it again is just because of again not just Burns' physicality. That's what everyone talks about with with Brent. Uh, you know his sheer size, his powerful shot, that sort of thing, right? But it's also the mental game, right? It's something that Eric Carlson gets more credit for and deservedly I mean Eric Carlson deserves all the credit for just how smart he is as a hockey player but on that play and just in general too Burns is also obviously a very smart hockey player there too and he showed it on that play yeah that's why I called them both elite minded defensemen because that's exactly what they are they are I think that's a that's a good little cherry on top for our, our Brent Burns deep dive here for the Sport Logic stat. Oh, you, you you missed the you missed the stat though. So let's just read off the stat. Oh yeah, yeah. My apologies. My apologies. Yeah, no worries. Ten primary yeah. assists, which is third on the Sharks. And leads um, all Sharks defensemen. Uh, Eric Carlson has eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and again, it's it's no uh, uh, no snub on Carlson. It's just saying that they are both about equally valuable to to the team's fortunes and they're both about equally productive too so it's not like one has far outdone the, the other this season 
Um, wouldn't surprise me if and actually Burns has more points than Carlson. Obviously, uh, Burns has an eight game advantage on on Carlson. But wouldn't surprise me if if Burns. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty close this year between them. They both can stay pretty healthy. Yeah, and um, why not continue building and uh, playing around your your best and smartest players? And I think this. Kind well, of goes... you sort of have to with their contracts, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where the sharks are at. But, but you don't you but... don't get those contracts without performance. So right, of course, of course. And I guess the the point that we keep emphasizing on this show uh, over and over again is, yeah, I know he's not the Brent Burns of old. Yeah, I know he's not the Eric Carlson of old. It is. Well, keep saying it. It is what it is. Uh, but they can still both be very good players, and they both still are. You know, it's a long drop. Uh, I always say that, you know, from be- being a world-class Olympian-type player to being, you know, you deserve to be out of the NHL. And both Burns and Carlson are still high, high-level players, and they're showing it this year. And so there's actually, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, you know, if you look at just what happens with players as they age and, and whatnot, uh, especially with Brent Burns, because, you know, Burns is 36. Um, there isn't really a lot to complain about, especially with Burns. I mean, if you look at, again, how old, how, how old he is. <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and he's still performing at, at, a, at a very high level and still playing a lot of minutes. I know that people gripe about how much he plays, but, hey, you know, uh, the coaching staff gives it to him, whether you agree or not, because they think he deserves it. And they think he deserves it over Eric Carlson uh, over the years. I will say that that's one kind of uh, difference point that I will say Burns is better than Carlson in that sense, that he has had more of the trust of the coaching staff over the the, the last few years. Uh, I think Carlson will get more of that as the season goes on because Carlson is having a good season. But again, let's, let's give credit to both these guys. But, uh, but again, uh, since this segment is about him, especially to Burns for still playing at a very high standard, uh, even though he's 36 and still playing a lot of minutes, even though he's 36 and really uh, the number of minutes he plays in a productivity at $8 million. That was a bargain when he was a couple years ago when he still was a Norris finalist, but at right now and how good he still is, that's still actually a, a decent deal. I don't think uh, he is, uh, uh, you know, robbing the sharks or anything uh, uh, in any sense like that. Yeah, you know, Shang, you're you're continuing to compare Wookies to humans, so we have to also take into effect the stamina and durability of a Wookie compared to a human being. So um, <laughs> never forget that. <laughs> Well, he is, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if anyone has ever said it to him. It might be rude to say that this to to a person, but he is a specimen. So, <laughs> hey, he is a what the, the freak of nature. He is quite the uh, quite the guy, and it's not a bad thing either. Well, Shang, it's been a it's been a hot minute. We've been at this for a while now. This is our cap extravaganza that we've essentially been going through and. I think that's pretty much going to do it for us, wouldn't you say? Yes, I think so. Uh, just, uh, you know, waiting uh, on pins and needles for the next Evander Kane news. You know, we thought that he was going to get signed immediately. And then we learned, oh, he's not going to get signed immediately. So always seems like there's some kind of whiplash news where you think uh, it's going one way with Evander and then it's going another. So we'll see what's uh, next tomorrow on the on, on, on as Evander Kane turns. One hell of a roller coaster ride it's been, and I'm pretty sure uh, 
we are never going to want to take it again as Sharks fans. So, uh, to, of course, to stay updated with all that news, Shang will always post all the updates on SanJoseHockeyNow.com. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at SJHockeyNowPod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet, and you can follow myself at NickFloor underscore. Shang, tell the folks where they can find you. Shang underscore Peng. You can find all my work at San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sharks. I have a TV hit before the Rangers game. And also, uh, yeah, actually, that's 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 where you find me. I was also going to say you can find me on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, but you're listening to it now, and so yeah. I don't need to say that. <laughs> all right, folks, that's going to do it for us for this week's episode. Make sure you all stay safe out there, take good care of yourselves, and, of course, as always, stay hydrated. Ooh.